one. Okay. Recording in progress. What's going on, everybody? This is John Hudson with Focus Driven Enterprises. Today, I have a special guest on the show. This young man is no stranger to me because he's been a mentor to me for the last 43 years of my life, and he doesn't even know it, but he's been he's done so many great, awesome things with throughout the Kansas City, Missouri side and the Kansas City, Kansas side. I'm going to go over a few accolades of what he has done because a lot of people... Uh, may not know him, but if you're from Kansas City at all, they, it, it needs to be a street named after this man. Uh, there needs to be a waterfall, fountain, some type of a statue of this great hierarchy individual I'm going to introduce. Former police detective, community activist, city councilman, former community support specialist, former radio show host. Also, now, what people do not know, which is one of the reasons why I got him on the show today, he's a brand new author of his new best-selling book called Binding Us Together, a civil rights activist reflects on a lifetime of community and public service. I want to introduce y'all to one of my father figures, one of the people who I call Grandpa, my man. My God, <laughs> Mr. The One and Only, Alvin Brooks, thank you so much, sir, for being on the show. I uh, thoroughly and deeply appreciate you, my friend. How you doing? Uh, Brother John Hudson, thank you so much. I was trying to, to put my phone on mute, and I don't know whether I was successful in doing it. Thank you so very much for uh, an introduction, and thank you for what you're doing on uh um, focus, uh, focus driven, uh, and, and 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 the kind of thing that that young people, millennials, and others need to focus in on is, is how do we communicate with each other. So it's a pleasure to be with you this afternoon, and uh, we got a lot of talk, a lot to talk about. We got a lot to talk about. But man, when me and you get to talking, it could go on for hours, and we only got 30 minutes, 30, 45 minutes, brother. That's it, that's it, that's it. Because after that, then I'm paid by the hour. Oh, man, he already getting on me. He already getting on me. So, first of all, um, of course, once again, thank you for coming on the show. I wanted to bring you on for a number of things. I think the first thing that I wanted to ask you in regards to what's going on right now, uh, we are living in some, you know, pretty tragic times. Um, as you already know, we just got out of, well, we're still in it, but we're crawling back out of a pandemic. Um, we are trying to still get over a year of the George Floyd incident that happened in Minnesota. Uh, we've had systemic racism that's been going on for over 60 to 65 years and counting over 400 years of that, that nature since we've been here uh, through the slavery rights. And today we're having you on the show. Um, not only by way of educational mandate, but by experience. In your small uh, time of being here on this earth. 89 years. <laughs> and I hold it. <laughs> Did y'all hear that, ladies and gentlemen? He said 89 years young. Um, and his mind and his body and health is stronger than ever. I love this man. 
Um, I don't know about any of that. I don't know about the mind, <laughs> body, and all that. I, I'm here to take advantage of the moment that you have because you never know what the next moment is going to be. That is, that, that is true. I, I, I had, I had uh, John, I had a, an uncle named John. Uh-huh. And Uncle John always wore a beard and made him look about 10, 15 years older. Yeah. And I was 13 or 14 years old. And I said, Uncle John, you're getting old. He said, boy... The only way to get old is to live. That's it. <laughs> but remember this. As you grow old, something will go wrong. Yeah, yeah. And the final thing that he thought or he said that I thought was just most, uh, uh, at the time I really didn't understand it. Uh-huh. But, he, but as I grew older, I did. And profound. He said, always remember this. The wellest day of your life, you're sick enough to die. Wow, man, you over here preaching now. You you right. you over here preaching now, Doc. And I know you got that in you because I seen you do that too. <laughs> all right, okay, all right. Well, that's that. Now I, I make a few remarks and make people think I know something. Well, you know more than enough. <laughs> let's 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 talk a little bit about you as an individual growing up. What made you uh, get into? you know, law and justice and serving the community? Because you've been doing this for quite some time and a lot of people think that the road of what you have traveled is this an easy walk. Can you tell the viewers and the listeners who are listening in what it took to get to where you are, are at right now? Now, I know you retired, but you have done some tremendous things for the Kansas City community and abroad. Why did you start your career within law and public service for our area? Well, Hudson, I'm really not retired. I don't have, I'm, I'm on fixed income. I do a lot of things for pro bono and free. Okay. Which is, which is, which is good. And I think we need to do that more and more if we're able to do it. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm still involved in a number of things. I'm promoting my book, of course. I'm, I'm, uh, uh, trying to leave a legacy for my uh, uh, grand and great-grand, my, my late wife and I uh, are the parents of uh, six kids, five yes. girls and a boy who lost that son mm-hmm. 18 years ago, lost my wife eight years ago, the 21st of this month. Wow. But I have six kids, 17 grand, 43 great-grands, and 14, maybe 15 great great and so wow. I, I want them to to understand who uh, Grandpa, Grandma Brooks were and how that plays into their lives. Gotcha. And and, uh, and I don't think we pass on our history, our, our, our families, because you know our families sometimes become so dis- disconnected, disjointed. Right. Uh, I was at at an event. Uh, at least uh, someone was at an event for us on the uh, on the Fourth of July. One of my nephews hosted. Normally, uh, those Fourth of July, Fourth of July, Labor Day, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas is here at at, at, at our house. Right. And I, my daughters continue that after my wife uh, transitioned. But when someone was saying a fellow who was there visiting uh, was there invited to the Fourth of July celebration uh, as as a uh, talk about my book and I have a, an essay that I gave him and it was in my car when he was walking out and he said you know I, people, people would really marvel over family that you have yeah. 
that this this is great, Mr. Brooks. And, I, and he said, although you didn't invite me, and he mentioned one of my my uh, grands that did invite him. And he said, I, I, you're you're really a role model, not not me, but 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 the family. Right. And that's so important. So now back to how I got all in, involved in this. Yes. Um, if you read my book, and I, I certainly urge our listeners and viewers to, to buy a copy of the book, and you can get it here in Kansas City at Black Archives of Mid-America. And Brother John, I'm at Black Archives of Mid-America every Wednesday, 12 to 2. And okay. that's their 17th Crescent in the historic uh, 18th and Vine District, which is was in my day, and ought to be in the, today, the cultural mecca for the African-American community. I don't care where we live. 18th and Vine ought to be where we can go and and, and involve in commerce and, and, and eateries and yes. uh, all those kind of things. I hope and pray that Councilwoman Melissa Robinson will be for doing her terms and, and she's the third district in district councilor will will bring it on and deal on what Jermaine Reed, her, her predecessor, has done because it, 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 it bothers me, it makes it hurts me when I drive up and down the street. And remember what we were when we were segregated, yes. and discriminated against, and and sometimes we forget that. But anyway, I'm there at at, at the Black Archives and Club Two on Wednesday, signing books, and they sell them there in the in the uh, little gift shop. Okay. But, uh, How you guys started? Well, uh, yeah, I, you see, uh, as a kid, first of all, I was uh, I, I was I'm, I'm the son of a teenage mother and a teenage father. Okay. My mother, Thomasine Gilder, was 14 when I was born. Wow. 1932. Wow. My father, William R. Heron, was 17 uh, when I was born. Mm. He really didn't know that he had a, a, a son. It was kind of rumored. At that time, if a girl got pregnant in our culture, you kind of sent her off to live with some other relative. Right. Uh, because what we thought was so embarrassing and everything. So my mother got pregnant in Miami, Florida. She was 13 when she got pregnant, but they sent her to live with her elder sister in North Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, wow. But there were problems between my mother, who was a teenager, and, and her brother-in-law, the, the husband of her sister. And and so what happened was that um, uh, uh, the Brookses lived across the road. Uh-huh. And my aunt asked the Brookses if my mother could stay there until I was born. Hmm. And so then, after I was born, a few months later, my mother wanted to go back to the Gilders, the families of Gilders. Right. Uh, I'm a Gilder. Oh, okay. I'm a Heron. My mother was a Gilder, my dad was a Heron. H-E-R-I-N-G. And so she wanted to go back to Memphis, not Miami, where she was staying with her mom, but Memphis, where all the other Gilders, her brothers and sisters were. But the sister that she lived with there in Northern Rock was, was the oldest of the Gilders. Gotcha. And, and she was near the, the youngest. So the Brooks has adopted me. Gotcha. And I didn't know that I was adopted until I was 22 years old. Wow. When that same teenage mother, Thomasine Gilda Ben Davis, that he's married, found me uh-huh. in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, in uh, August of 1954. Wow. And then nine years later, she promised that when she went, she was living in, in, in San Francisco, California, at a beauty salon there. And she promised me when she went back home, she came to visit in, the, in Christmas of 1954. Wow. And I was a police officer. 
time. I just finished Police Academy in September '54. Wow. And she promised me that she'd do everything she could to defend my father. And nine years later, in 1963, she found him, you know, writing letters and making phone calls and this thing. So the three of us became real close uh, before the, the, the two of them uh, passed on. So um, I had I had a run-in with the police as a black boy growing up in Tennessee. Wow. I came to Kansas City about... 1933. Uh, so let me pause. Let me pause right there. A lot of you just said you had to run in with the police back in 1933. No, uh, no, I'm, 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 I'm 33 was how we ended in the city. Oh, okay. My dad, my dad killed a white man. Oh, wow. Over moonshine still. But the sheriff of Pulaski County, where North Carolina, North Carolina, Little Rock is, is the one that put my dad in business. Oh. And so he he and the judge apparently got together. The judge was probably uh, somehow on my dad's payroll also. Yeah. I didn't talk about that too much, but I found it out when I was a teenager here in Tennessee. My dad had the had the I had the option of leaving town or being charged with murder of a white man and and and, and this was in the spring of uh, nineteen thirty three in North in North Carolina. So anyway, that's how we got to Tennessee. My man. dad left town. This is my good dad, history. I grew up in an all African American, all black environment. Mm-hmm. Um, um, elementary school, Dunbar Elementary School, uh, and the Leeds Dunbar area, just east of the Veterans Hospital, and um, uh, began to have problems with the police when uh, our house burned down mm-hmm. uh, when I was about uh, eight or nine years old. And down to the ground. We we lived in a barn, actually a barn, mm-hmm. for about two to three weeks. My dad found a place to rent, and then eventually found a place that he could buy. And we in, in a poor white neighborhood. Wow. And after my white friends and I fought, and then they called each other. Then I had to help them fight because the other white kids were calling them uh, in lovers. Right. And so, but but then. It's when running with them got me in trouble. Mm. We didn't do anything that was in violation of the law. We were just kids, nine, ten years old, growing up. Right. But we got picked up by police because they were with me. And in one on one incident that I, I mentioned in my book is that uh, there were five of us together. We were searching pop bottles. At that time, you could probably search pop bottles and you could sell them for two cents. Mm. Anywhere you go to a grocery store or so they give you two cents for the for the for the pop bottle. Mm-hmm. And we around just looking for pop bottles in the alleys and people's yards and whatever. And the police picked us up because one of our neighbors had called them. Some boys were throwing that a dog in this lady's in this in the boy's yard, and the baby was in the playpen. And the, the daughter, who who was the mother of the child, had admonished them, mm-hmm. and they cursed out and began to throw at her. So she called the police. Well, they picked us up and brought us back. And they said, oh, no, that's not, they're not the ones that, I know Alvin, he goes to, to pick up a prescription for my mother. I have an invalid uh, brother. And she went on that. So we, and that's all, that was on Brighton Street in Kansas City. The next street east was Quincy. You could see my house in the backyard from where the Gores lived. Wow. And um, they said, get back in the car. I said, well, I live over there. And, and, and the white kids hung out in my house because my mother, Estelle, it's my adopted mother, Estelle Brooks. Uh-huh. She was the mother hen of all of the kids in that area. 
because she, she's the one that made the peanut butter and jelly sandwich and the lunch meat sandwiches and the cheese and right and and, and, and a pickle that she had had, had, had canned and this that. So then we we were walking off and said, "Come on, get back in the car." And when we got back in the car, they were driving us around and telling my white friends why they should not be with this end. That that white white don't fool with ends. If we ever catch you again, we're gonna do this to you and this to you. So when they got to the bottom of the Brighton Hill, which is thirty second in Brighton, uh, they got out the car. Uh huh. We began to get out. We began to walk away. Come in, you, me, and this and the. And the police officer, there were two of them in the, in the in two police officers. The young officer was driving, he never got out of the car. The older officer who had been drinking because we, we could smell it on him, he, he got out and he said, he, you nigga, come here, mm-hmm. come here. He said, you see that hill? If you can make it up to that hill before I shoot your black ass, you're a free nigga. And he pulled his gun and cocked it. And I'm just running, please don't shoot me. My white friend was saying, please don't shoot Alvin, please don't shoot Alvin. Please. And I'm crying and screaming and running backwards, you know. Right. And all of a sudden, Billy, who was the youngest of us, uh-huh. jumped up on his arm and the gun went off. And we just ran up the hill and we thought it was a lot of fun when we got down. We had this time, every time we got into some kind of what we thought was trouble, uh-huh. we'd find a piece of glass and prick our fingers and we became blood brothers. And I guess all <laughs> my four or five white friends are still living. I was gone home, but they didn't, they didn't die because of my blood. Right, and then there were other incidents that occurred uh, that I that I mentioned in my book. Right, I don't know why in the spring of nineteen fifty three, I decided I was married, had three kids on the police. But well, I didn't go. I went to police academy June one, graduated the twenty first of September, hit the streets. uh, The twentieth of September, hit the streets. Uh, and the, uh, the 21st of September, there are only two districts that black officers can ride. And that was from Truce to Purcell towards the 23rd and Purcell to Brooklyn towards the 23rd. Mm. So I, and I was one of 29 cadets. Wow. And and I'm the only one of the 29 that knew where I was going to be assigned. And, and we didn't know that until the morning after graduation when we appeared again at the headquarters and gave again an our assignment. For that. But I always knew I was Wow. But... <clears throat> So I, I, I decided, and my wife and I talked about it, and she said, that's what you want to do, okay, she but you know, you not, and I'm, I'm we were teenagers. Mm-hmm. Also, I got my wife pregnant when, when uh, she was 14, and I was 16, and then our, our uh, 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 youngster was born, and when we were 17 and, and, uh, and 14. Wow. And, and, and uh, we were married for 63 years. Wow. Our, our our love song was Nat King Cole, Too Young. Too, <laughs> too young, okay? And nobody, and nobody encouraged us to get married. We just decided so we're going to get, get married. married. Right, right. So, but, but, so, so, I decided going to police, but my dad discouraged me, my, my adopted father, Christopher. And he said, you know how we treat, they, they treat, why do you want to join that mess? You know how they treat yes. us. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what to say. Twenty-two years, twenty-one years old. I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I, I, I and you come with my dad. Maybe I can make a difference. Mm. And uh, that's where it got started. Wow. The police department was a, a racist institution. Right. It exists there today. Yep. And and um, so I went on and, and and you know that was for ten years and. 
couldn't get a promotion beyond detective, decided to leave and went to the school district. Uh, I, I, during my, my, my younger years, I was able to get two degrees from the University of Missouri, Kansas City, one in, in history and drama, the in sociology, and uh, never looked back. Wow. It built on what happened to me, and I would not allow the racism to make, to make me so bitter that I could not uh, be able to, 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 to be sensible in my response to it. Yeah. My mother used to tell me, baby, there'll be times when you won't, when people will say things or even do things to you that you won't be able to do anything about, but at least be man enough to let them know mm. how you feel and that they're wrong. Mm. And so, you know, that's been my life. So just, you know, right. that's, that's, uh, that's the early part of it from there to the school district. And then after the riot, starting the 9th of April, 1968, for the city hall, was appointed the first director of human relations, then assistant city manager, uh, ran for city council in 1999, won two terms without uh, any opposition, ran for mayor in 2007, lost by 960 votes. Man. Uh, what we were doing, the ad hoc group against crime started in 1977. Yeah. It brought uh, George W. Bush to Kansas City along with Bill Bennett to Drugs Are. And uh, I was in the, the uh, George W. Bush administration, uh, one of the few Democrats, and I remember telling him at a luncheon, uh, Mr. President, the only reason you appointed me because you ran out of black Republicans. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, so that's that's kind of done in the Well, listen, yeah. listen, let me tell you something. I can't even imagine, uh, let alone to think about all the things that you have done within your career, um, from civil rights to discrimination to your friends growing up as a as a young black boy in Kansas City by way of Florida, Arkansas, and Memphis. Um, all these different things, to me, looking at it, you know, I'm only 43 years old, and I'm looking at you like, man, he's done so much. And, and I'm one of those, I'm not a millennial. I'm a Generation X. You know, they call me the Generation X, but... I was born through the, the, the crack era, the 1980s and the 70s, yeah. when all of that was supposed to be going down, and we we were supposed to not be here. And the only two Michaels uh, that we liked back in the 80s and 90s was there's only two Michaels we liked. That was was Michael that Jordan, Michael Jackson. You you know it, you know it. That, that that that's it. Then they threw a third one in there, and then he got messed up with the lady, so they kind of kicked him to the side, and that was Mike Tyson. Uh, so. Listening to you and the viewers who are listening in, I'm talking to a man who is a legend in his own right. This is a living legend to me as far as doing so many different things. The Ad Hoc Group Against Crime, I want to talk about that with you a little bit, was an organization you said you started back in 1988? 1977. 1977. That's the year, and in just a few months we had 10, 10 women of the evening, prostitutes were killed. Right. And, and, and it was also at the time that on the East Coast in New Jersey, New York area, there was a man they called Son of Sam. That was killing prostitutes, both in New Jersey and New York. Right. And so it was a serial killer. And so the black community thought that this was a serial killer also, since they were so close together and the way that they were killed and they were not been solved. Right. And so they they uh, they said in one of three ways it was a serial killer. Either it was a police officer doing it, 
you know, it was a John doing it, mm. or, or, or either it was a dope dealer doing it. Right. And uh, and we found out that it was there were dope dealers, but not that. one. That they were prostitutes that they had on the street and they were stealing drugs. Right. This person and not and pimps, and not not dope dealers. Right. But pimps, uh, the the uh, uh, were a part of that. And yeah. I know at least three of those were were killed by pimps. That's and crazy. And they tried to make it seen as though the serial killer, but we, we I sat down with uh, Sergeant Al Lomax, who was the head of the squad of police that, that investigated those 10 homicides, and went over those cases, and none, there was no similarity right. to show there was a serial killer. They were done by individuals. Wow. And, uh, so it's, 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 it's interesting. People need to hear that. Um, you know, because when you talk about the serial killers and and and, and the things of that nature, we've had we've had them in our in our. Oh, I oh I know, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. But back then, see, back then they were called pimps and things like. Nowadays, it's sex trafficking. That's the big thing that's going on right now. It's sex trafficking. And we and we, and we have women, girls, and young boys picked up, kidnapped, and put into that trafficking. That's right. why I missed you before we. We, we got here on, on on the virtual, but there's a young lady that's missing, that's 11 years old, and I'm going to go on the air on KPRS and, and talk about that because you never know. Right. And we're involved in that kind of stuff. We pick up the habits of the local folks. Right. And it does not, it does not uh, bolster us as a, as a race and uh, uh, people who are proud and ought to be leaving all that kind of stuff alone so that our families can grow. Right. And I mean, family, I'm not talking about this disconnected I mean real family real family blood yeah. bloodline family and that's the thing I remember uh, and I was getting I was getting to that segue of finding people you helped solve a lot of crimes you have um, helped find a lot of different individuals who have been missing there have been some people who was missing God bless their heart either they've been dead murdered or in jail for whatever reason and you know that has happened too but you were one of those individuals throughout the city who has dedicated your career and your life to help and find these individuals and to stop crimes in that way so that people can recognize who the who the person of interest is and let's get them off the streets and let's stop the violence of what's going on here in Kansas City and beyond. So the new book, if you don't mind, can you show people a cover of your book? Yes, sir. Be more happy. <laughs> I need y'all to take a look at this book. You see that young man right there on the cover? Binding us together. Thank you. This this book, I'm gonna need everybody. I haven't gotten a copy. I read a little bit of it at Victorious Life with uh, Bishop, at Bishop Talbot's church, who you know very well. Uh, I had. Oh, you saw one over there. Yeah, I seen one over I, there. I, I left it over there. I hope I hope he hasn't written any. No, I can't. He hasn't paid me for it. <laughs> <laughs> what, what happened was that there was somebody else's book that I picked up for them uh-huh. that they had paid for down at the down at the Black Archive, but they had not, and they left it for me to, to sign. Right. So I I was by the church and, and with the bishop. And, and left it there because I think you'll probably see some copies there for sale in there. So, uh, so yeah. I'm going yeah, to get him a book, but so then I had to get another book for the person who I was supposed to sign. That's my Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and purchase mine this weekend. And I'm not trying to get you to sign it. I know you're a busy cat, but I'll catch up with you. If you're free on Wednesday, 12 to 2, I'm there at the archive. All right. Well, there you go. I'm going to make myself available um, and, and get that rope. And 
uh, Bishop Talbot has been on the show too with Focus Driven with John Hudson. So I'll be I got great connection with him. I can always if if I don't get in contact with you, I, I call the bishop and we can see if we can get Mr. Brooks some way, somehow, somewhere. <laughs> Because I know I can get a contact from here with you, for sure. Yeah. And, of course, I talked to the First Lady frequently also. Yes. Yeah, so Bishop knows me very well. Now, listen, we only got a few more minutes left. I want, if you can, uh, Mr. Brooks, what is one of the things that you would like to see change here in Kansas City that we can help stop the violence? And I know that's a broad question, but try to sum it up to the best of you can with the amount of time that we got. Well, first of all, I think that, that the, the police department, the prosecutor's office in the city need to be in one accord. Yeah. And it bothers me now the, the, the division that's between these, these three entities. Yeah. The police and the prosecutor need to be joined up to hip. Yeah. Because the police are the ones responsible for making the arrest, collecting the evidence, and presenting that to the prosecutor. Prosecutor and Gene Peter Dick and Hussey have analyze that and determine whether or not it's a chargeable offense, and we go from there. And then the police officers have to be the one to testify to their involvement. That kind of and when you got that strained relationship, uh, you never know who's, who's doing what they ought to do uh, or what they should do. And that's bad. And the city, which is the funding, they, they, they fund the, the police. Yeah. And, and uh, this whole thing about uh, holding up $42 million and all that is defining police. It's not defining police. And, and that's a false narrative. Yeah. Uh, that it's, it's not defining police. And I think when you look into it, what the, what Quint, what the Mayor Lucas and the other uh, eight members of the council are saying is that, that we, we want a plan. Because there's no plan presented publicly to reduce crime and violence in, in the area. Now, there are three, there are six patrol divisions in Kansas City, two up north and four north the south of the river. Mm. East Patrol, um, Wabash to East City Limits, Cleaver Boulevard to the river. Central Patrol, Wabash to State Line, the river to around the plaza. And Metro Patrol from uh, Cleaver Boulevard to Bannister, state line to East City Limits. Now, those are the three most violent districts in the city. Mm -hmm. Good policing means that you put together a tactical um, uh, program to reduce that. I mean, you, you and resources. Yeah, and, and resources, but no plan has been presented. Now, if it is, it certainly isn't even working. We can do that. So right. I think that's the thing that bothers me most of these three entities. Are now at, at loggerheads that are that are that are fighting to some degree each other, and and that should not happen. Yeah, and it, it can happen. Um, so, and, and another thing that bothers me is nationally, as well as locally, is what I call structural racism. Mm. I did an essay, and I'll get you a copy if you if you're around the uh, black archives. I, it, 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 it looks like. Um, uh, let me get it here. I just it, we got time. If you want to get it, you go ahead and grab it real quick. While you're doing that, I'm gonna take care of some bills. Listen, if you guys want to hear more about me and what I got going on with Focus Driven Enterprises, you can always tune into JohnWHudson.org, and you can find any of my best-selling 15 books that I've written. You can also find out ways on how you can give back 
talking about mental health awareness with suicide prevention and social and emotional awareness with uh, within our city. So uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Brooks. I was just taking care of a few bills. No, 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 Go right true. ahead. <laughs> I, I, I wrote an essay back last year uh-huh. based on an article that I had written for the Kansas City Call in 1970, the 10th of September. And in doing my research for a book, I ran across this article. Well, it was between two thin pieces of cellophane, and it was all clipped up and everything, but I managed to kind of make it out, and then I remembered it. I decided I'd do an update. Because mm-hmm. one thing that I said to then the managing editor of the Kansas City Call, Miss Lucille Boofer, who's now the late Lucille Boofer. Uh, I used to go by and talk to her on Monday or Tuesdays, and she said, Brooke, something is, Brooke, see, she called me, something is troubling you. And I said, Miss, Miss Boofer, this month will be the first time that we, we got off of Black History Week or Negro History Week, started by Carter G. Woodson in 1926. Now it's, it's African American History Month. But would it make any difference in our lives? Will we see ourselves differently? Right. White folks see our role any differently. And 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 I said, because if not, 50 to 100 years, we'll still be talking about the same thing. So last year was 50 years. Wow. The same thing is going on. And so I wrote in my essay, and, 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 and Brother John, I really want you to get a copy of it, and then we can come back and at least talk, you can talk about it here. You it yeah, we can do that. But... Uh, let me see. What it says, an analysis of America's structural racist system. Wow. As viewed, as viewed and experienced by an 88-year-old black man some 50 years later, 1970 to 2020. That was me. And what I'm saying is that this system of ours was never intended to fully give Native Americans and black folk descendants of slaves for rights. Never intended to. And it's like going that line more, but I want to be enough to yeah. where you or any of your viewers like to have copy and give you they can make copies. Because and plus we've got to admit somewhere, Brother John Hudson, we've got to admit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Sometime and at the right places that America's Original sin, mm-hmm. America's original sin was what they did to the First Nation people, Native Americans, Indians, and what they did to other human beings as slaves, made slaves out of them. And unless we admit that and go from there, we'll be passing laws and having marches and so on. And all that's good. I'm, I'm for the John Lewis law and the, and the George Floyd. I'm for that. Right. I think the marching Black Lives Matter, those, all those are important. Right. But they will not change the structural racist system. It's incremental steps. Right. And how long can you get to the farthest point without incremental steps? Not too far. But that doesn't mean you don't continue to make those incremental incremental steps. Right. So, so that's that's an, and another thing I, I, I want to call your attention, and I'll give you a copy. There was a report written on the riot that came out August the 15th, 1968. The riot started at City Hall, I was there, on the 9th of April. Ended up by, in, in three days, there were uh, six black men killed, one a 15-year-old youngster. Mm-hmm. Uh, four of them were killed at 30th and Prospect. One still in liquor at 1909, shot by police. One at 37 and 4, I think, was running with his lights out trying to get away from the shooting, the police killed him. And nobody was armed. Nobody was ever 
tried, nobody was either arrested, no investigation was conducted. But this report is a report of the riot. And what Yeah, put that up there. Mayor's Commission yeah. on Civil Disorder. Mm-hmm. Got it. Alright. I'll give you I'll give you a copy of it. Okay. I was the only one who seemed like it's still living. They had a copy of it and I've been circling around. And then what I'm saying to those that I give it to, I want you to compare what this report says, the recommendations, and what he says the cause of the riot was in '68. I want you to compare that with now. Now, let's see, that's sort of 32 and 20, 50. That's, that's 50. That's over 50 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 51, 52 years ago. So I want you to and see how much progress we've made in those 50 plus years. Wow. So, so that's what I'm. So you ask me. You say I'm retired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not retired. Oh, um, from from not retired. Years. Right, and, and and I'm just hopeful that uh, that I want to be able to to use. What I don't know what kind of royalty can come from a book. I didn't write it to be published. Yeah, but then people say, "Man, you need to write a book. That needs to be published." So I got a hold of the publisher, Andrews McNeil, a great group to work with. They're associated with Simon and Schuster, one of the great yes. national publishers. Yeah, and whatever royalty then I wanted to go to, I'm, I'm setting up a a um, a. Uh, at, at Penn Valley, I'm a product of the all-black Lincoln Junior College. I don't know whether you know that. So we couldn't go to the white junior college right. in 1958. So the third floor of Lincoln High School was Lincoln Junior College. I didn't know that. Up until, up until Brown versus Board of Education in 1954. So in 1955, you could go. Wow. And, and, uh, and, and so I'm a product of Junior College. And so since uh, Penn Valley is the one that's most multicultural mm-hmm. and, 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 and kids who have Less mean. I'm setting up a, a, a fun a, 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 a situation. Now. I lost the word I want to use. Uh-huh. It'll be probably Carol and Alvin binding us together. Um, like a not, not, like not, a foundational not, fund or something like that. Not foundation. A scholarship uh, fund. Scholarship. Thank you. Thank okay. You, thank you. Yep. Get a lady today, so you know, I yeah. had lunch. <laughs> and, and and my five daughters. Will be the trustees over it. Yeah. But there are certain things that, that if that if anything comes from this book, part of it will go there. Another thing I want to do is to have one of my daughters, Carrie Brooks Brown, who lives in Phoenix, but is very a businesswoman retired, and I want to try to conduct some 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 let's talk workshops to deal with this whole thing of race and race relations that come with buy the book, uh, contribute to a foundation that I I, I hope to form. And, and have discussion about that and do some self-examination right. of where they are, where their companies are, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So that's, 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 that's where I am. Okay. Uh, as long as God gives me breath, and I can wake up, and when I wake up in the morning, I say, good morning, God, thank you for another night. Yeah. And to see another day. And at the end of the day, I say, thank God for another day and to see another night. And Love. I do that every, that's the first one I speak to yeah. in the morning, the last one I speak to at night. Yeah. And so I don't know what I know. One thing that there's more road behind me than ahead, mm. but uh, but I'm gonna make the most of those that that, that road that's ahead. I, I love can, it until until uh, the decision is made and the last curtain comes down. I love it. I love it. Listen, I got to steal one more question while I got you on here. I would love to do a part two of this because okay. uh, you you have so much to offer, and I think the community needs to hear. And because you're such an icon to me. If you don't mind, I would just love to do a part two. So we'll set that up later. 
but we're going to segue from this into mental health. Give your very brief importance on why mental health is important for the African-American community. If anybody in this nation needs mental health, it's us. Now, because we've been the oppressed. But you see, it's always remember this. In order to, uh, uh, the oppressor also needs mental health. Yes. Otherwise, you wouldn't be oppressing someone. If you're at the right state of mind and all that. But I think a lot of what happens to us with drugs and alcohol and, 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 and on the streets and, and disowning our family, all that are, are tied to mental health. And so I think we are putting some of the money in the wrong places. And it's interesting that governor, uh, uh, that states all over this country, the first two things that they cut are mental health and education. That's it. And the things that they ought to be, those things ought to be putting money. But they put money in building the prisons. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, we, we, and, and one thing we need to do in the African-American community is don't be afraid to end up going and being a, to a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Yeah. Or a counselor or a mental health a professional. Or, you know, these are the folks that, that, that do that counseling. Yeah. Because that doesn't mean that you're crazy. It right. means you need some help. Right. And, and, and we ought not be afraid of that, to do that. And we ought not be afraid if we have members of our family. Yeah. Who have uh, various kind of uh, mental health issues to get them into some kind of situation. But don't let Joe and Mary just go as they are and then when something happens, they say, well, I knew that that, but uh, they wouldn't go. Well, then you encourage them to go. Right. You become guardians for them. Right. Uh, uh, and then you have the power to, to do some things. So it, it's, it's an issue in our community more than any other community. But I, I want to say it again, that we suffer mental health because of past experiences and present experiences. Right. But the people that put that on you need mental health also. That I, I totally agree. Listen, our time is about up, but I want to thank the one and only, the legend himself, the living legend himself, Mr. Alvin Brooks, for coming on Focus Driven uh, with uh, with John Hudson. Uh, Mr. Brooks, do you want to tell people how much the book costs and where they can purchase the book? They, they, can, they can purchase it at, uh, uh, at Black Archives in America. And uh, let me just see if I can focus this for a minute. Okay. At Black Archives in America, at 17 Terrace and Vine. Uh, how much is it? I'm there on... I'm there on Wednesday's 12 to 2 to sign them. Uh, I think with tax, it's something like $32.31 or something like that. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and, and of course, you can go to Barnes and & Noble and, and, and uh, Rainy Day and also purchase them if you sold them. Okay. So I, I, I hope that, that and I love for people, and, and some of the sororities and fraternities say they're going to buy, urge their, and churches to urge their congregation and their members buy and then have some discussion about that and determine what well, if all that happened from from birth to the to your I, I finished the book last year last year yeah how far have we come man and we'll find out not far gotcha gotcha well listen once again thank you i hate to cut this show we i, I know i've taken up way too much time if you follow me, please continue to follow me at johnwhudson.org. You can also subscribe to my YouTube channel at Focus Driven uh, with John Hudson. And Mr. Brooks, I want to thank you again for coming on. I'm getting ready to uh, end everything I am, but I need you to stay on. But if anybody want to reach me, you can always reach me at johnwhudson.org. Thanks again for tuning in for Focus Driven. Mr. Brooks, stay on real quick. God bless you, you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Huh? 
for uh, resurrecting this relationship yes. and, and what you're doing uh, here with this podcast. And, and I wish you well. Thank this, you. This is, where we reach our, this is where we reach our brothers and sisters. You already know. I, I appreciate it. We're going to get you on my mom's show. My mom would love to have you on her show, uh, Shades of Injustice. So you're probably going to be on another. Hers is more. It's okay. Tell, 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 tell <laughs> her that my fee is high, but contact me anyway. I'll do that. Hold on one second. God bless you. Hold on one second. <laughs>